Glad you guys are here. Um, you know, when I had my son, I was 18 years old. 18. 18. That's, that's like four years younger than my son is right now. And when I saw him come out of the, uh, the, you know, the, the room and I looked at his little body, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. Did you ever get a sense like that? Have you ever had a moment where you're like, wow, I really need guidance. I really need help. I really need someone to lead me. That was one of those moments that just sort of exploded in my mind as I really need help. Have you ever had a moment like that where you just thought, where like in junior high, when you came to the first day of school, and as you came to the first school, day of school, you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get around? This is so confusing. Or, or maybe it's the first day on the job, right? And it's a new place, and you don't know where the bathrooms are, and you don't know how to get around, and you're not sure exactly how to do everything that you're supposed to do. All of us have gone through moments and circumstances where we feel like we simply don't have the guidance that we need for the task at hand. And God knows that every one of us are going to go through moments where we feel lost, where we feel like we don't know what we're doing, and we're going to need guidance. And since God knows that, he decided more than just give us instructions. He'd give us himself. And it's to that that we're going to look at. Today, we're going to look at a really powerful parable allegory of Jesus. And as we look at it, Jesus is going to give us the kind of comfort and the kind of instruction that reminds us exactly who he is and how he serves and guides and leads us in life. Now, there's a bunch of you here who are just as strong as you can be. And when I talk about Jesus guiding and leading and directing and strengthening, that plucks no cords. You are the smartest person in the room. You are the strongest person in the room. You don't need any help. You're too young to need any help. You're too smart to need any help. And to you, this message will mean not a thing. But I implore you, put it on the shelf. Remember, because there'll be a day in your life There'll be a season of life. There will be whole decades where this message will bring you great comfort. Those of you who are here and you're going through a difficult time, perhaps your relationship is not going the way you wish it would. Perhaps the job that was supposed to really just give you all the finances that you need, and it did give you all the finances that you need, you just go, you know what, it doesn't satisfy. Maybe your kids are just going in the way of the world and you're just like so concerned about them and you're like, oh man, I wish I knew how to get them back. Maybe, maybe your health is not what it used to be. You see, for those of us who are going through difficult times, this message is going to be like a solve for your soul. It's going to be like medicine for your heart. And so for those of you, I want you to know encouragement is coming. And then there are those of you who are just sort of trying to kick the Christian tires. The reason you came today is because the pretty girl invited you and you said, I'll go with you anyway, I don't care. Uh, you want to go to church? I don't know, right? A little freaky, but, you know, I'll go. 
or, or your wife or your dad or your mom or whatever forced you to be here. And I know, you know, not all of us come for the same reasons, and I get that, and that's fine. I'm just glad you're here. But for those of you who are looking, I want you to hear the words of Jesus to his, his people. And the words to his people are exclusively right now to his people. Their direction and guidance and comfort and strength for his people. And so if you go, if you listen to today's message and you go, but I don't know Jesus like that, you can. You're, you're right there. You're a prayer away. Jesus will be happy to reside in you and guide you and lead you. He's done everything that you need for salvation. And so if you're curious, then today might help you to either step over the line or say, you know what, that's too much. I don't want that kind of uh, relationship with God in my life. But either way, you'll be able to know. We're looking at the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. We started a series called I Am Jesus, and we started it last week. The reason we started is because we knew that a bunch of new people would come, and we wanted to let them know who Jesus is, because your relationship with Jesus doesn't depend on about how good this church is. In the church, by, by church, I don't mean building, I mean community. Your relationship doesn't depend so much on how good a speaker I am, God forbid, your relationship with Jesus doesn't depend on how you feel or the circumstances, even the circumstances of your life. It depends on who Jesus is. So we thought, what a great way for those of you who are new to be reminded of who, uh, those of you who are new to get to be introduced to who Jesus is. And for those of you who have been around a while to be reminded about who Jesus is. One of the... Um, one of the traditions we have in uh, this congregation is that we stand at the reading of God's word. The reason we stand is because we really believe this is God's word and we just like, it's just awesome and we want to do something physical to remind us that it's God's word. Now, uh, usually we read God's word together. Well, today I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 and then you're going to read with me verses 11 out loud. You'll read with me 11 through 15. You could read along verses 1 through 10 just silently, and then out loud you'll read along 11 through 15. Okie doke. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will, turn, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. I find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is God's Word. Have a seat. There are moments in life, listen to me, there will be moments in your life where all you want is the comfort of someone to come alongside of you, to guide you, to lead you. There will be times in your marriage. There will be moments with your children. There will be days when your body rebels and nights where your heart is broken. There will be moments for all of us where what we need more is someone to guide, someone to lead, someone to comfort. And Jesus knows that about you, so he says, I'm giving you myself. This is no time for boys. I'm giving you myself. And so we're going to look today, we're going to look today at a really complex passage. And the, the complexity of the passage is found in the details. It's, it's like a parable allegory. And all that means to say is that Jesus, it's not the way you would normally read a text, like just straight through. It's, it's got meaning on top of meaning on top of meaning. It is really, so it has historical meaning. In other words, Jesus is really talking to a group of people at a particular time with a particular point, And it has meaning significant for us today that is very, very powerful. And so I, I just, I found myself being broken over this text this week. And I pray that it does the same uh, for you because Jesus is saying some powerful words, but he doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat. Have you ever found that about Jesus? Like, he doesn't seem to want to speak in a way that's just like, oh, so sensitive to me. He just, uh, he will speak in a way that is most effective for our hearts to hear. Amen. So here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Let's stop right there. Who is Jesus speaking to? Good, you did better than the 10 o'clock service. Yeah. yeah, it's the Pharisees. Yeah, in the 10 o'clock service, they were like, oh, you're talking to Judas. Uh, like, no, what are you guys doing? It says Pharisees in the text. All right. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the religious leaders of that day. They were the people who knew the most scriptures, who got up in front of people to teach. They were the ones who guided uh, groups of people. They were the religious leaders. And he says to you guys, to the guys who are supposed to look after the people that I've given you to look, I have some hard things to say. As I was going through this text in my study, I thought to myself, man, you know what? I wish I could preach this at a conference with all these pastors, you know? And then the Lord reminded me, Edwin, maybe, maybe you need to preach this to your own heart. Because the fact is, is that as I looked at this text and I saw Jesus' criticism to the Pharisees, I saw my own wickedness. So let me speak for a second to the elders in this church and to myself. 
to Gus, to Pedro, the men who are here as elders and pastors to Raymond. He says this, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. See, there's a way to lead people that's unbelievably manipulative. There's a way to lead people that totally takes advantage of their circumstances. There's a way to pastor people that looks more to oneself than to the sheep. You know how I know? Because I've done it myself. To my shame. Sometimes I've come up here and wanted to preach cool to hear you say, great job, Pastor Edwin. Great sermon, Pastor Edwin, rather than giving you the pure milk of God's word. Forgive me for that. I'm so sorry. You deserve better. There were times where I just said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not trying to listen to God's call or God's will. Where I didn't put your needs as the most important thing. So I'm not talking about other pastors. I'm talking about me. And I'm talking about the wickedness in my own soul. And how easy it is for me to get self-centered and not look to serve you. And so I want to be a better pastor. But I know that there's this wickedness and I know that Jesus is speaking to me and it wouldn't be fair to get to your part without having Jesus get to my part. See, the truth is, is that I, I can't, there's no hope for me. I can't, have you ever thought, oh man, all pastors, they're just wicked. They're just in it for something other than just honoring God. That's true. There's not one pastor that's any good aside from Christ. So there's no hope for me other than Christ doing a miracle work in my own soul. And I'm asking him to God, would you make me the kind of shepherd, the under-shepherd, not the chief shepherd, he's the chief shepherd, he's the good shepherd, but the under-shepherd that will love and lose his life for the sake of, of the congregation that God has given me. And so for those of you who are new and who think, yeah, pastors, they're only in it for this or that, you're right. <laughs> and now would you pray for at least this pastor that I would not be wicked, but that I would live sacrificially and Christ-like. You Pharisees, you teachers of the law, you pastors, you're all in it for yourself. And so I find like you find, that I cannot do God's will on my own. Here's what most sermons sound like. Most sermons sound like, number one, this is sin, like, say, lying. Number two, this is what the Bible says about sin. Number three, don't, uh, uh, you don't do 
the right thing, you know, like tell the truth, you lie, right? So the first thing is, this is sin, you lie. The second thing, this is what the Bible says about lying and telling the truth. The third thing is, you don't do it. And then the fourth thing is, try harder. I never want you to hear that sermon in this church. Here's what it is. And let's do it with what we're talking about to pastors. This is what wicked pastors look like. You're a wicked pastor. This is what the Bible says about living for Christ. You can't do it, so ask him. See, listen to me. As a pastor, I need to ask Jesus every moment of every day, Pastor Pedro, Pastor Gus, Pastor Ray, we need to go on our face every day before God and say, God, would you help me to love my wife, shepherd love her, Shepherd, love my children. Shepherd, love this congregation. So I am the worst person in this room. And there's no one who needs to repent more than me. And I'm begging God for mercy and guidance. And that's what he says to Pharisees. Don't go in through the side gate. Go in through me. But now he has some hard things to say to you. So could you make that transition from focusing on me? to focusing on what God would have to say to you. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What happened in this day in Palestine is that there was a sheep pen and the sheep pen was usually like a family sheep pen. So say, for instance, in my family, there's my sister Madeline and my brother Americo. So it would be me, Madeline, and America. And so we would all have our sheep in this pen. Now the problem is, I don't know if you know this, all sheep look alike, right? Do sheep look alike to you, right? Sheep look alike to me. So you have them all in the pen, and what happens? So my brother America takes out his sheep, and I go, wait up. I think that's my sheep, and I think that's my sheep, and I think that's my sheep. And so what they would do is that they had this unique way of calling. You see, the shepherds, found all that they needed in the sheep. The sheep were their monetary, um, they were their, their finances, the sheep uh, made up for their food, their sheep made up, so they really cared for the sheep, they loved the sheep. And so the shepherds would come in and they would speak to the sheep with a very unique voice or a very unique call. They could, you, could, you could watch this today and they call the sheep in a very unique way and no matter how many sheep are in the pen, those that were his sheep would come to him. You know why they would come to him? Because the shepherd spent all his time with them. And they spent all their time with him. And he walked around with them. And he led them to the food. And he protected them from harm's way. And he got them to security and rest. See, the shepherd's job was to care for, protect, to guide and to lead, to provide for these sheep. And the sheep spent so much time with this shepherd that they could know what he wanted just by the sound of his voice. When he has brought out all his own, the sheep that belong to him, he calls, I'm sorry. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him 
because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. See, Jesus is saying something incredibly profound that if we miss it, we won't get what he's trying to say. We won't get the benefit of what he's speaking to us. Jesus is saying, okay, so there's this sheep. So we got three types of people we're looking at. We have the sheep, we have the shepherd, and we have these Pharisees. And so the sheep are so accustomed to the shepherd's voice that they hear, they depend on the shepherd, they look to the shepherd, they rely on the shepherd, and the shepherd loves and guides them well. Then John has like a parenthetical thought. He says, he says like a transitional statement, verse 7. He says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. In other words, John steps outside the story to give you a little insight of why he's going to speak 7 through 15. And so he then says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now this is wild, because Jesus just said he was the shepherd. And so, you know, right? You in the back. Yeah, thanks. Um, Didn't you say you were the shepherd? Yes. But right now you're saying you're the gate. Yes. See, sheep, Jesus is not only the one who leads and guides. He's the way to walk to. He's the way to walk through. He's the way to live in. Listen to me. There is nothing that the Bible asks you that you can do in your own strength. You can't do it in your own way. You have to do it in the strength that Jesus gives. Those who said, listen to me, those who say, and we have so many ways of saying this, but just you know, the, the whole concept of, well, God will do his part, but you got to do your part. Or the concept of God helps those who help themselves. You know, that's nowhere to be found in the Bible. You know who God helps? Sheep. You know who are sheep? Sheep are weak. Sheep are not bright. Sheep can't fend for themselves. Sheep are not strong. Sheep need guidance and direction. Sheep need the help of a shepherd. That's who Jesus helps. It's not about you working your your faith muscles. It's not about you getting better. It's It's about you seeing Jesus as the one who does it for you and in you and through you because he's the gate as well as the shepherd. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Now this is where it gets... Okay, everybody look at me. This is where it gets really interesting. There are several levels of what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about, remember what I said? He's talking about this historical level, right? This parable that he's giving, he probably gives two parables in verses one through five. And then he, he gets into this sort of allegorical level where he not only is speaking about these Pharisees, these people that he's speaking to, now he's speaking towards other things. Now he's speaking to deeper other things. He says this, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus is not only talking about the people, the wannabe messiahs who have come before him, but he's talking about me and you. See, the fact is, is that there are things in your life and in mine that we've given ourselves to. There are people, there are habits, there are ideas, there are concepts that you and I have given ourselves to that are not Jesus and have nearly killed you. 
your desire to want to achieve academically, putting your, your identity in your achievements academically is only going to kill you. It's only going to, your desire to find pleasure in a meal or a sweet or a food or something like that is only going to kill you. See, everything else that has gone, you go, I've, but I've given my heart to other things before and they've only taken, so I'm kind of scared about giving my heart to Jesus. Jesus says all these other things that you've given your heart to, they've come in through the side way and they have not the power to satisfy but you go, oh, but you don't understand. I have my lover. I have my friend. I have my job. I have my money. I have, my, I have all these things that will satisfy. Jesus is saying, listen, there are things that you and I that have come before Christ that have been introduced into our lives that promise the world and don't deliver a block. They promise ice cream and only deliver dung. All the other things that you've ever given yourself to they're thieves. They're robbers. Jesus says again in verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And Jesus is saying here simply, the joy, the everlasting life. Isn't that interesting? You can go out and find the things that you need, like food, pleasure, and all that in Christ, right? Because you go out the gate, and then you go in the gate, and what do you find? You find comfort, and you find security. You find everything that you need in Christ. All that you're looking for is found and based in Christ because he's the good shepherd. So let me ask us this. If that's true, if all of our satisfaction, if all of our joy, if all of our peace, if all of our security, if all of our comfort, if all of what we're looking for in life is found in Christ, then why are we looking for something else? Why are we pursuing other things? Perhaps it's because we don't believe that Jesus is the good shepherd. Maybe, maybe we believe, maybe we believe he's good for salvation, He's good to save us, but we don't think that he'll guide us, lead us, satisfy us, and provide for us every step of our lives. We don't think that he'll give even our suffering meaning. We don't think that he'll give even our pain purpose. We think, you know what, I just want Jesus for these three areas of my life, but I don't want Jesus for these two areas of my life. Quite frankly, I don't want a good shepherd. I want a consultant. I want someone whom I can go to to perhaps give me some instruction and give me some direction. Listen to me. If you've ever wondered why you keep on going back to that person or that thing or that sin over and over and over again, it's because you haven't gotten the point of what Jesus is saying. The thing that you're looking for in that person, the thing that you want to have in that place, the thing that you think will satisfy you in that thing, that thing won't. Only Jesus will. Only Jesus will. And if you find yourself crushed because you're looking to those things, there's hope in Christ. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, those things that you look for for satisfaction, Satan will send them into your life. And the reason that he'll send them is not for your good. It's to destroy you. This week, I was uh, with my family, and we were having a great time. We were together, and it was, it was really nice. And we went to the Dairy Queen. Anybody ever gone to the Dairy Queen? Oh, my. 
Oh my, drive to a Dairy Queen. I don't care if it's 500 miles. That is it. So they had this, this thing, it's called, uh, it's called a blizzard. Anybody here ever have a blizzard? Oh my. All right, you could leave now and go and have a blizzard right now, right? It's good. I know now you're thinking, you're not thinking about Jesus, you're thinking of blizzard, right? I get it. That's cool. I understand. I, we had a blizzard, and I had this Reese's thing, and I was eating it, and I have this problem, right? So God has been making me very aware of how I eat for stress relief. And is anybody, I know nobody else is like that, right? There's nobody else like that, right? right? But I eat for stress relief, right? So I get, I get tense. There's a lot of things to do. So I'm finding myself picking, 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 and kind of eating. Well, so um, we were having a great time, and I was eating, and there was like five good spoons left in this little blizzard cup, right? It was awesome. And, and I could just sense the, the Lord saying, hey, Ed, did you enjoy? I was like, man, I'm enjoying this so much. I'm enjoying my family. He goes, great, throw away the cup. I was like, but there's like five good spoons in there. And like, you don't understand. I can't throw away food. He's like, Edwin, you're full. You're satisfied. You're, you're completely satisfied. You're full. You don't need those five other spoons. And it was, there was a moment that I was like, uh, no, I'm eating this. Thank you for your suggestion. But, but, He's a, listen to me, listen to me. And some of you don't believe this, man. Some of you don't believe this. He's a good shepherd. He's good. And so the thought that came to my mind is, is he's never done me wrong. He's never led me or guided me into doing something that was no good for me. And so I was able to throw it away and just go, you know what? I, I, I prefer you over the blizzard, Reese's, you know, chocolate chunk thing that I had, right? Now watch this. Watch this. There's a million different ways that that happens in our lives. Because Satan always wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. So here's what happens. You, you come to your marriage, and it's not going the way you wish it would. Anybody here can identify sometimes your marriages don't go as... Don't raise your hand, guys. Um, yeah. And it's not going the way you wish it would. And here's what happens. And here's what happens. You go, you go, steal, kill, and destroy, good shepherd. That's always your choice. Thief, shepherd, life, death. That's always the choice. So what happens? You're having a problem. Men, you're having a problem with your wife. You can't seem to communicate with her. It's a tough time. It's just like a, one of those seasons. Marriages go through that, right? It's not every moment. It's not like tiptoeing through the tulips. And so what happens? You're having a tough time, and so you have the option between death and life. And so death says, oh, but the girl at work says, oh, don't you look handsome? And then you have the conversations, and you're so funny and witty because you have absolutely no responsibilities between you, so you can be as cute as you can be, right? And then she says something like, oh, well, if I had you as a man, or he says, oh, well, if I had you as a girl, I'd treat you like a million dollars, very well knowing that if you just look at his track record of how he treats his little million-dollar babies, it's not a million dollars, right? He treats them like five cents, right? But he'll tell you that he treats them like a million dollars. So and so there, but there's death, right? So there's death calling. There's death calling. Or you can, see, you can look at your wife and you say, wait, wait, Jesus. The Bible says that the church is your bride. And there, I've, I, there have been moments where I've, how have you been patient with me? There have been moments where I've been fresh to you. There have been moments where I haven't obeyed you. There have been moments where I haven't done anything that you've told me to do because I just didn't want to. How did you treat me in those moments? And you just see Jesus' love. You see his 
His hands be extended out on the cross. You see his body go in the grave. You see him resurrect to life. Listen to me. If that's the case in my marriage, then what? And if Jesus did that with my greatest problem, which is sin, death, and hell, what can Jesus do through me with my wife? I can be patient with my wife. I can love my wife. I can care for my wife. With food. Jesus, I just want to eat just so I could take a, a load off. Death, life, shepherd, or thief. You can go, Jesus, I want to find my comfort in this ice cream, in this donut, in this food, in this rice and beans. I want to find my comfort in this stuff. And Jesus says, no, 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 what I want you to do is I want you to hunger and thirst for me. I want you to rest in me. You're not going to find your solution in that. You're not going to find your strength in that. It won't be found. There's a, you, you, you have a job, and your job feels just so dead end. And you feel like there's hopelessness and there's purposelessness, and you go in, and it's just, it's just there's no life there. You can go, Jesus, have you ever done a ministry? Have you ever done a work? where just everyone around you oppressed you, everyone around you made you feel worse, everybody around you was either criticizing or, or against you. And you go, wait up, you did that and you did it for me. Well, let me see, I can do this job with great excellence. And, if you, you know, and the good news is that Jesus can lead you and guide you to a different job, but you can, as you stay there, in his power and his strength, live in excellence. There's an opportunity. Your wife asks you a question. You're not sure you want to answer it. Somebody asks you a question. You're not sure how you're going to answer it. And there's a choice between lying and telling the truth. There's a choice between death and life. There's a choice between the thief or the shepherd. You can't choose well, but Jesus can in you. And you can go, you know what? I feel kind of embarrassed about this, but here's the truth. And I know I said something different before. Because Jesus, when he was asked if he was the Messiah, or if he was the Son of God, at the cost of his life, not the risk of his reputation, but at the cost of his life, he answered truthfully, because he died for you. Oh my. If we could see that everything that Jesus asks us to do, he guides us, strengthens us, encourages us to do, we will live knowing that he is the good shepherd. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away. Why? Because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. See, when we give our hearts to someone, when we give our hearts to something, there's one that will lead to death. Have you ever done this? Have you ever had a great temptation and then gave in to the temptation and then felt horrible afterwards? Amen. Yeah, that's what the thief comes to do. He goes, why? Because when it happens, then he, he leaves you to be destroyed and be taken advantage of. So you go, right? So you're going, let's take food because that's easy, right? So you go, you go, oh, I shouldn't have that. No, you know, that cheesecake is for tomorrow. I don't want to have it. And then you go, oh, it's right there. And so it's late at night, you're feeling kind of thing. So what do you do? 
You go, oh, but what's one bite? It's no big deal. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve a break today. This is everything that Satan is telling you, right? And he goes, oh, you deserve a break today. Oh, but your husband was such a jerk. Oh, but, you know, and all this other stuff, and the pressure is on you, and you're like, oh, i got to have a bite. And then you have a bite, and then you have two, and then you have like three quarters of the cake, right? And, wait, and then, and, and then what, what does Satan say at that point? Just look at you. Couldn't even control yourself. Now what you're going to feed for dessert tomorrow, those people who come over to your house. And he just beats you up over and over and over again. And if, man, if only that were true just about the little food that we eat. But some of you have whole seasons of your life, years where you gave into demonic addictions. Where it was death after death, you were just ravaged. Amen. Amen. Listen, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Amen. I'm the good shepherd. I won't run out on you. I won't lead you. So sheep need the shepherd. Sheep rely on the shepherd. Sheep seek the shepherd for everything that they need. Every aspect of the sheep's life is guided, led, empowered, protected, and made true because of Jesus. Jesus says it again. He doesn't stop saying this. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Stop right there. Do you know that Jesus knows you're grimy? Do you know that? I mean, really. Really. Like, really. Like the stuff that you just, oh, wait, even that? Like that, the stuff that you won't laugh at. Like, oh, yeah, grimy last night. Ha, ha. And then you think, oh, man, 2012. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about Jesus knows the secrets that you've never told anyone. And he makes a point to let you know that. That he chooses you anyway. Amen. You see, there, and man, we'll listen to songs, even Christian songs, you know, that, you know, you know Jesus sees the best in me. And that's why he saved me. And, and oh, you know, God uh, saw some good in me, and that's why he delivered me. And it's just, oh, my. That's the absolute antithesis of the gospel. He didn't see the best in you. The best in you, well, he did see the best in you, and it was pretty grimy. <laughs> and that's the point of the gospel. The, those of you who are not laughing are real religious, so let me be easy right now. Okay, so like, all right, listen to what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that there's absolutely nothing in us that can merit God's love. He goes, listen to me. I know you more intimately than your closest lover. I know you better than you know yourself. I know you better than your mom knows you. I know you and I choose you. Isn't that incredible? See, here's what happened with my, me, me and my wife. My wife chose me, but now she knows me. <laughs> and I wonder if we'd have flipped that around if there'd have been any choosing. You get what I'm saying, right? Not so with Jesus. Not so with Jesus. He knows you. And he says, I will pay for every grimy. I will pay for every dirty. I will pay for every down, dirty, nasty. I will pay for it all. I know you, and I choose you, and I choose to love you, and I choose to reside in you 
in the Holy Spirit, and I choose to empower you, and I choose to create in you a new heart, and I choose to draw you to myself, and I choose you to call me fa- to call you family unto my heart. I choose you. There's nothing good in us that would merit that. You know why he chose you? Because he chose you. There's nothing that is in us, but he chose you. And I know for some of you, you push back on that. And you go, no, that's not true. That's not true. God chose me because he saw some good in me. And I've been going to like, you know, you know, a therapist. And, you know, they've been telling me to look in the mirror. And they've been, you know, and that, no, 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 not like, like not, not in a funny way. I mean, like, I, I mean, like really people, you know, we, we, we go to a therapist and we, and we look in the mirror and we say, oh, man, you know, you're a good person. You're beautiful. You're Here's the problem. I could never convince myself consistently those lies. I never could. Like, I, I never could look in the mirror and just say, you know, you're beautiful. And you're just, I was like, are you kidding me? I, don't, I look in the mirror, I go, oh, man, this hair is going. Let's push the hair forward. And then I look at the scale and I go, oh, man, this is not getting any lighter. And then I look, you know, like, you know, there's only going to be so long that these clothes cover up the stuff that I need them to cover up. Oh, you know, it's all going to be, everybody's going to be able to see it. And it's like, you know what? All of that, and Jesus chooses you. He chose you because he chose you. He's the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. There it is again. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Listen to this. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So we're almost done. Musicians are going to come up, but i got two things that I want to do with you. One is if this is the kind of direction, this is the kind of loving, this is the kind of leading that Jesus gives, why wouldn't you want to surrender to that? Why wouldn't you want to be just led and guided and loved and encouraged and strengthened by Jesus? Why wouldn't you want to be? Listen to me. He's for you. Think about the statement that he says, I lay down my life for you. Now, if a robber, my wife has he- been hearing me say on, I buy, I think it's, yeah, it's about 23 years that me and my wife have known each other. In April, I want to say 20th, April 20th is when we first met. It's 23 years ago, right? So my wife has heard me say, I love you. I'd give my life for you. She's heard me say that for about 23 years. But what if a thief broke into our house? What if a thief broke into our house, pointed a gun at her, and pulled the trigger? And then I jumped in front of the bullet. And then went, got rushed to the hospital, and the doctor says, I only have but minutes to live. And after having heard those words come out of my mouth for 23 years, she hears it for one last time. I love you. I would give my life for you. I suspect that in that moment they would have far more weight than all the 23 years before it. Listen to me. Jesus says, I love you, and I give my life for you. And he says so with holes in his hands. He says so after having sacrificed himself for you. He says so, and then he does so. Don't run from that. Don't run from that. So we're going to do a quick exercise. So those of you 
Listen, so here's the big deal. For those of you who know Christ, this week I want you to walk around asking, good shepherd, where will you lead me today? Just every minute of every day, when, before you get out of bed, good shepherd, where will you lead me today? Brush your teeth. Good, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Believe me. He'll lead you that way. I have confidence. And he'll say, and then you go, good shepherd, where will you lead me today? Hey, get, you know, get to work. You know, have your devotional time. And you go, okay, I'm going to pause. I'm not going to go on Facebook immediately. I'm not going to go on Twitter immediately. I'm not going to do this. I'm going I'm to go to work. I mean, I'm going to have my devotional. I'm going to spend time with him. Good shepherd. And he's going to lead you. So all this week, I want you to start practicing that. See if it doesn't become a habit. And see if his leading is not better than yours. Now, real quick, I just got to point one thing out. Betsy, can you run up here real fast? What I want you to do is I want you to think about the areas in your life. And what I would like for you to do, in, uh, you received in your bulletin uh, what we call a sermon map. It has the scriptures. It has some lines there. Here's what I want you to do. In your scripture, in your line, what I want you to do is I want you to write down some of the things that we're going to write up here. We're going to look at aspects of our lives, different places of our lives. Okay? Like what are the aspects, what are the compartments of our lives, what are the, what are the places of our lives? The first two we'll write down is sexuality and family. Those are two parts of our lives. Um, can anybody think of any other parts of our lives? Okay, prayer. Right? There's a part. There's a part. Work? What was that? Children. Children. Children, right. Anything else? Financial. Absolutely. Health. That's another aspect of life. Absolutely. What else? Responsibility. Okay. Hobbies. There's an aspect of life, yeah. Friendship. Free time. Education, recovery, yeah, right? Only like a hundred of you are like, right, yeah, yeah. Food, there's an aspect of our lives, sure, what we eat. Job, right, work. God, well, yeah, he's, a, he's everything, yeah. Faith, yeah, absolutely. Trust, okay, so let's start right there with trust. Now, here are the aspects of our lives. The Good Shepherd has asked every single part of the sheep's life is, influences, is influenced, guided, blessed, and loved by the Good Shepherd. Let me ask you this question. What part does Jesus, is Jesus not the shepherd of your life? Like if I asked your kids about the children part, what would they say? Would they say, oh yeah, Jesus is obviously leading you as my parent? Your sexuality. Aren't you glad we said that? Is Jesus the shepherd? Does he guide that? Or is, it, or is he just a consultant? Will you do whatever you want to do? What about your family? What about your friendships? Is Jesus guiding that? Is he the shepherd of that? What about your finances? Do you do money your way? Or is Jesus the shepherd? Does he guide? Does he lead? Does he, are you obedient? Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to pick one, two, ten 
I don't care. I would like for you to write these down on your little sheet and just go, Jesus, here's the truth about me. The truth about me is that I've allowed thieves and robbers to lead me in this area or this area or this area or this or this area. And I want you to be the good shepherd. I want you to lead and guide me, but I don't have the power to do it. So would you do it starting with this week? Would you be the good shepherd? You said, I am the good shepherd. And that means that you'll lead, you'll guide, you'll provide, you'll strengthen, you'll direct, you'll protect, you'll do everything that I need. If that's true. Your hobbies, everything. So write that down. And ask Jesus to have full authority in that aspect of your life that you haven't given up before. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together, Lord, and I know. Lord, as I look at this text and I think of my own wickedness, I don't see any hope for me other than Christ. Lord, I don't want to try harder. I don't want to do better. I don't want to be a person who attempts to live for you. I want to be surrendered to you. Help me, oh God. Help me to not submit to the thieves and the robbers in my own soul. Help me not to look to anything else for comfort or power or control or strength or approval but to look to you, O oh God, for everything that I might need in a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Lord, help me to spend so much time with you that I, un I, I hear your voice and I obey immediately. Thank you, O oh God, for hearing our prayer. And guide us, O oh Lord, to honoring you, loving you, obeying you as our good shepherd. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.